Welcome to the Take the Cake podcast. I am your host, Kate Noel, and I am so happy you're here. My mission is to inspire you to be the best version of yourself by truly honoring what your mind, body, and soul want and need. Here, we talk about everything and anything, wellness, recovery, lifestyle stuff, lots more. Thank you so much for being here, and I hope you enjoy the show. Hello, and welcome to the Take the Cake podcast. My name is Kate Noel, and I am so excited to be doing uh, this week's episode because I'm doing a new type of format or episode that I've never done before, and I've wanted to do this for so long, and now that the doors are open, I'm so glad I'm doing this. So I actually have been, you know, posting on my Take the Cake Instagram, asking y'all to send me emails uh, to ask questions, and these questions, I usually, you know, every time I go on social media, like Instagram and ask um, you all if you have any questions, usually it's that little teeny tiny question box on Instagram. And there is, I don't even think there's like 20 words that you can have, you know, it's like a really small amount of words and letters that you can type. So the questions are always really general, which, which is great. But I decided to open up and make an email for the Take the Cake podcast and uh, see if see what your more specific questions were and go ahead and answer them. So if you have your own question, you can email takethecakepod at gmail.com. Um, that's takethecakepod at gmail.com. And you can go ahead and ask your own question. So today my question is from another woman named Kate. And this is what she asked. I do have the quote problem that since some weeks, I am always craving food in the evening. I used to have bulimia, but since my time at the clinic, it got a lot better. I'm finally learning to eat enough and worked a lot on my problems and finally have stopped binging. I have not changed anything eating wise. I am still eating as much as during the clinic times when the binges disappeared, but now I am always craving chocolates and dense foods after dinner, and it's so difficult for me to distinguish if this is real hunger or emotional hunger. I'm going through a phase of changes at the moment, like starting a new career path and therefore having to move to a new city without knowing anyone there. On one hand, I'm looking forward to this time. On the other hand, I feel stressed and a lot of anxiety about leaving everything behind. I don't know what to do. Should I follow this craving or stop myself to avoid emotional eating. Okay. Dear Kate, (laughs) this is a really, really uh, great question. Thank you so much for asking. And I'm going to take, I think this question is going to honestly take a while for me to answer because I have so many thoughts, but essentially I'm going to address the first kind of question or the overall question first, which is I'm always craving dense foods like chocolates after dinner in the evenings. So I want to start off by saying there's actually a type of disordered eating called night eating syndrome, and it's characterized by waking up throughout the night to eat and having insomnia at least four times per week, eating more than 25% of the daily food intake at night, decreased appetite during the day, and can also have depression and anxiety. And this can be caused, night eating syndrome can be caused by genes, genetics, mental health disorders, sleep disorders, and then you guessed it, dieting. So dieting really sucks. Um, But I'm not going to be addressing that. I I just 
wanted to say that this is actually a type of eating disorder. Um, I'm not saying I think you have this. I mean, I'm, I'm never going to diagnose anyone with anything. I can't do that and I won't do that. But um, th- that is something that if you want to look into it and maybe talk to a professional about it, then that's something you can do. Um, but I don't believe that's what uh, Kate here is really referring to. So let's address general nighttime cravings outside of night eating syndrome. Um, I'm assuming that's your posture. So talk to your doctor about night eating syndrome if you feel like you have it. Um, But anyways, moving on. So there is a physiologic and emotional, I guess, response here or elements here. And I think it's so crucial to talk about cravings, especially at night, because they are so common. And it's really confusing, especially it sounds like for Kate, who, and and same with for me, when I was going through my recovery, when you get discharged or you, you know, you essentially get healthy enough to start to eat on your own and start to uh, live your own life, so to speak, without your support system that you were relying on. And then you feel confused because maybe you don't necessarily still understand what types of hunger you're feeling. So there are three types of hunger. There is appetite, which is our primal desire to eat. And everyone has appetite. There is physical hunger, which is um, when we have physical hunger sensations. And then there is um, emotional hunger, which is when we're eating for comfort out of an emotional response. And all three of these hungers, sometimes they're one at a time. Sometimes you can have all of them at once. They, they can, they, they're not exclusive. Uh, sometimes uh, we, I, I'm going to assume that most of us only really consider physical hunger as a validated, validating form of hunger. So when we have emotional hunger or appetite, which is just like, I just want to eat, I smell something that smells good and I want to eat it we can often feel like that's a lack of like willpower or that's a lack of control. And we're just out of control because the only type of valid hunger is physical hunger. And in reality, that's not true. We are all emotional eaters. We are all people with appetites, right? We all have all three components. And when we have an eating disorder or a disordered relationship with food and body, that can cause uh, our, it can result in having a maybe a bigger appetite for the time being. And that is okay. In fact, that's a good thing. You know, we need to address the, com- the emotional hunger, right? Because there's a good chance that for the past months or years of your eating disorder, you were ignoring emotional hunger, maybe appetite and probably physical hunger. So you were ignoring your needs, So they're going to come back with a vengeance until you release these expectations. Like when we hold on to, when we hold on so tightly to this idea that we can't emotionally eat, that is when we emotionally eat, right? So like the good example uh, that I think of is if I tell you right now, don't think of a red couch, 
don't think of a red couch. What do you think of? You think of a red couch. That's exactly the mechanism that I believe is happening to so, so many people who have been in recovery or are in recovery who don't allow themselves to just emotionally eat. And of course, there are other things that we can do besides emotionally eating or in addition to emotionally eating that can help our emotional world. And as long as we're tapping into those things like identifying how we feel and um, making sure we have alternative coping mechanisms and a way to release our emotions, it's okay. And it's, it's, it's a part of human existence to emotionally eat. So my first, I guess, uh, point I have is to stop self-attacking. Stop attacking yourself when you emotionally eat. And I bet if you just release the fear, so like this, the really tight fear that you have, I bet over time you will just it will just become less and less of a big deal to you. And maybe even you'll emotionally eat less. I'm not really sure. I don't know you that well, but that's my guess. Um, so when it comes to an actual science um, with eating, there's this system in our body called the cephalic phase digestive response, CPDR. Um, and this is not talked about enough. So this is the mental phase that is associated with digestion. About 40 to 60% of the way that we metabolize our food happens outside of our body, meaning we need to experience food in all of its glory or else our hunger will be stimulated because our body quite literally does not register all the nutrients we are eating. So this means if we don't eat more mindfully, we will often not even register that we're eating, (laughs) which I don't want this to scare you. I want this to hopefully inspire you. So here is how we can activate the cephalic phase digestive response. That's essentially like when you look at food and smell food and see food and experience food before you even put it into your mouth, uh, your body is already revving up your digestive system. You're already uh, revving up your appetite regulation system. So this is a really important step that I think many of us are missing, especially at night when we're, you know, kind of churned off for the day. It can be just easy to sort of skip out on actually like pausing and being with our food. So one thing that we can do is activate our senses with every single meal, including snacks. So how can you visually see your food in a way that's appealing and and allows you to be present? Maybe that's plating it a certain way. Maybe that's preparing it a certain way. Maybe that's just kind of being grateful for it. How does it smell? Does it smell good? Do you want to light a candle so that that's what you smell? Um, And then, you know, how does it feel? I don't necessarily, you don't necessarily need to be feeling your food, but like just noticing and and activating your senses and really getting your body and mind present with what's going on. It's really about being present. So eat with presence, eat with gratitude, try your best to not eat in a stress response because the stress response turns off the body to sensation. It doesn't allow us to experience pleasure. You can imagine 
any time that you've been in a very stressed like time of your life, like you've been in fight or flight, I bet you didn't really feel what was going on. Like so many people will get maybe like injured or something. This is obviously like high, high, high stress. And then they won't even feel the pain until they can actually be present with it. So that's kind of a, a micro version of what is happening when we're in a stress response. Like if we're just go, 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 or if we're just eating out of stress, then we just don't really experience pleasure. Um, so another thing that happens when we're in fight or flight is that blood flow decreases from the digestive system, enzyme output decreases, and our body loses the ability to use that energy. Um, and so that's another, another reason why we really need to try our best to be present and slow down and take some deep breaths. Because when we're stressed eating, we set up our bodies and minds to believe that we are in danger. And so even toxic beliefs that you hold about yourself, like if you are self-attacking and you're saying, this food is going to make me explode and or, or I don't deserve this food because I'm not worthy, like whatever you're saying to yourself, you are putting yourself into a stressed mind, which makes your body and mind think that you're in danger. So you're creating this dangerous environment for your body where you're telling yourself this food, I don't deserve this food, but I'm going to eat it anyways. And that is literally creating a stress response. So it is crucial for you to address the underlying beliefs you hold and, and get rid of them. You know, don't, believe the story that you've told yourself over and over and over again because chances are it's an old story that you don't even that's not even serving you anymore and you're way different than you were when you first started believing the story about your body and food so something to consider so that is the cephalic phase digestive response so so far my points are to stop self-attacking acknowledging all types of hunger and acknowledging that a part of recovery is doing the doing the most, doing way more than you thought. There's there's so much damage done when we have eating disorders, and so it's really important to mitigate that um, so the body can trust you again. And then my second point is the cephalic phase digestive response, activating a parasympathetic nervous system when we are eating and being present with our food, so that we can fully assimilate all the foods we're eating. And so our body can register what's actually going on. Um, another point I want to make is to assess whether you're stabilizing your blood sugar and eating enough throughout the day. So eating a really well-balanced breakfast is so important. Obviously lunch and dinner and snacks are also important when it comes to night eating and emotionally eating at night or just eating a lot at night. Oftentimes we skip breakfast, right? Or we delay breakfast. So what will happen is we'll, you know, we'll skimp out on breakfast when we eat a lot at night due to the fact that we might still feel full the next morning. We might not really be hungry the next morning, but it is crucial to sort of like reset your circadian clock and feed yourself a dense breakfast. So that way you can actually reset and get back into a rhythm because if we just continue to skip breakfast or delay breakfast or not eat enough throughout the day because of fear that we're going to eat a lot at night, that is a self-fulfilling prophecy. That is a cycle that will keep you eating a lot at night. So 
in order to shift, we have to maybe even eat a lot at night and eat breakfast. So sometimes we have to break habits through trust, through body trust. So what we can do is tell our bodies that, look, I'm eating a lot at night and I'm still going to eat breakfast in the morning. And even though your eating disorder might say, oh, that's not okay because we need to have, you know, some more time in between our meals or whatever your eating disorder is saying, it's important to give yourself that sense of trust so that you can move forward. And it might take a little bit of eating a lot at night and eating a well-balanced breakfast until your body can kind of shift. Maybe it won't take a long time. Um, But regardless, it's so important for you to eat a well-balanced breakfast, lunch and dinner with snacks in between, balancing your blood sugar um, with macronutrient balance, having all food groups in your meals and really being sure that you are um, satisfied throughout the day. You know, if you are, it's kind of going on to my next point, so I'll just go ahead and go, but you need to be incorporating some of these like craving foods, like chocolates and dense foods into your daytime meals. Like I, I always have some chocolate after lunch. It's just a part of my routine. It keeps me happy. It keeps me, keeps my days fun. It's something I look forward to. I don't have no idea if it makes me eat less at night. I don't even think that way anymore, but you know, it's such a, I mean, look, I'm eating chocolate at night too. It's just so, uh, important to incorporate some of these evening foods into your daytime routine. And I guarantee they will become less of a novelty and they will be, and and if you kind of incorporate some of that throughout your day, you just probably will start to have a sense that they're not these foods that you can only have within the nighttime and you have to wait 24 hours until you can have your next chocolate. You know what I'm saying? So I, I know what it's like to be like only 24 hours until I can have my chocolate. And that's not a great way to live. First of all, that sounds boring. And it also, uh, just makes the chocolate kind of like idolized and it makes it just such a delicacy that you just want it so, so much. And you try and get as much of it as you can at night. Another um, point I have is to assess nutritional deficiencies with a doctor, with a um, dietitian. So if you're having like certain food cravings, I think it's great to just eat them because when we're craving foods, that's a sure sign that there are components of that food that we need. So um, if you feel like confused about this though, maybe check out if you have any nutritional deficiencies at this point, get like a physical with like blood, um, panels and just seeing if there's anything that you might be deficient in. And then you can ask your doctor or dietitian some, uh, food sources, um, or maybe they'll recommend supplements or whatever, but some food sources, uh, that you can have that have those foods in them. And um, also, like I said, if you're craving a certain food, just having it. Like chocolate, for example, has magnesium, healthy fats, calcium, sulfur, zinc, polyphenols. All these things are really great. So another thing you can do really is just like remember that chocolate has – food is food and all food is energy and all food has components of it that um, are are healing to you. If you want to listen to a previous episode of mine – called All Food is Healing, that would be a good episode to listen to if you're interested in learning more about my thoughts on this sort of thing. Um, But yeah, like 
food is incredibly healing and it's okay if, if it's the most healing thing for you right now, especially if you're recovering or have recovered. Um, and also I want to mention if you're craving a certain type of food, like chocolate, Kate's craving chocolate, me too. (laughs) Um, you can consider buying a higher quality version of it to maximize nutrient density, to maximize, uh, it's just quality, right? When we have like, look, no shame if you want to just buy like a Hershey's chocolate bar or like something like that from a traditional candy grocery store, candy counter, candy counter. What's that? <laughs> what is a candy counter? I want to go there. It sounds great. You know what I mean? The, um, the checkout line at the grocery store. That's fine. Those, those chocolates are, are great. If you feel like you are kind of wanting to explore buying higher quality versions of the foods, it's something you can try. So maybe going into Whole Foods or um, the farmer's market or something like that and actually like connecting to a farmer or just seeing like where it's sourced, buying something that's local or a smaller business or from a farmer, like I said, buying something that has maybe like less ingredients um, and more, I don't know, higher quality. If you spend more money on something, um, it might be, and spend more energy finding it, it might be a little bit more special to you. And look, this is not like, this is not a point for those who are in a stage of life where they're, they just don't want that. If that feels restrictive to you, don't do that, right? That's not the point here. It's only if it's something that's interesting to you. And you feel safe to do that. Um, so those are some, I guess, physiologic, more science-based reasons and ideas about evening cravings and emotional hunger. So to recap, stop self-attacking, activate the cephalic phase digestive response, make sure you're stabilizing your blood sugar and eating enough throughout the day. Incorporate some of the evening craving foods into your daytime meals. Assess nutritional deficiencies. Consider buying higher quality versions of the foods you're craving. And just looking at what elements in the foods that you are craving, like how they can all be healing for you and just accepting that cravings are valid and they are often tools for us to really listen to. Now, The next part of this episode is more so talking about the emotional aspect of this. Um, So the evening is a time where all of our distractions are mostly gone. There is nothing left to do throughout the day. We're often just able to sit with ourselves and really think about our lives. And that is often a scary place to be for some of us, for most of us maybe. And so there's a reason why the nighttime is so symbolic too. Like it gets dark outside. It's just like an interesting time. And so I think it's really important to identify your triggers, right? So is being alone a trigger for you? Is not having a routine a trigger for you? And Kate, who asked this question, it sounds like you're not currently having a routine because you are... Uh, moving um, and you're leaving your life behind. So that's a huge deal. So that might be something to address and to just like allow yourself to allow yourself to just emotionally eat or uh, maybe get some routine back into your life and seeing if that can help. 
again, it takes so long for us to um, catch up from eating disorders, meaning like eating disorders are long-lasting energy deficiencies. And it takes a long time for the body to catch up and trust us again. Uh, Sometimes we have to overcompensate for some of the damage that we've done to our psychological, physical bodies and uh, minds. So that's something I want to address as well. And then lastly, in the emotional part component, there is a good chance that the, that many of you listening, if you resonate with this, and maybe Kate resonates with this, that you might not be doing enough things in your life that are actually pleasurable. So I ask a lot of my clients to make something called a pleasure inventory to see how they feel about pleasure. Um, and do something intentionally pleasurable for you. Indulge in your cravings outside of chocolate. What is something that makes you feel really good? And that's... If, if immediately you just feel shame, that's something to really consider. If you don't feel shame or if you do feel shame, making a list and really checking in with yourself and actually doing something that is pleasurable, especially something that you can do at night um, that's accessible and that you know is easier for you to do. It doesn't have to be something huge. It can be something small. It can be something big. It can be multiple things. It can be an experiment. You can, go, you can do like a pleasure experiment where you just see what things sound fun to you or good to you and try them out. Something to consider. So when it comes to the emotional side of things, just to recap, A, the evenings are a time where all of our distractions are gone. So it's important to identify your triggers and do something for yourself that's pleasurable. And just trust that it takes a while for our bodies to catch up with the long-lasting energy deficiency that is eating disorders. So um, that is the first part of this question. And the second part of this question is really about dealing with change and dealing with changes, major life changes, moving to a new city, changing your career path, moving alone. And not I don't have so much to say about this, but I will say... A, you can always go back, right? So I, like the FOMO culture is very real. And (laughs) I think it's important to remind yourself that you can always move back. You know, you don't have to make any forever decisions. Even quote forever decisions can be changed, right? Because usually the reason why, why they are a forever decision is like a facade that society has placed on us. So you can always go back and trying something new, like moving to a new city and changing your career path is so cool. And I think it's interesting to look like into the future and say like, is my future self going to be glad that I tried this out? And most likely it is, you are. And it's when it comes to like fear of missing out or fear of leaving things behind, I think it's important to trust your decisions. Like there has probably been a lot of little decisions that you have made throughout planning this whole process that have added up into this big decision or this big move. So trust all of the little decisions that have added up and you can kind of think of it like a ladder. Like think of all the decisions that you've made, like a little ladder being built and you're just climbing up it and seeing what's at the top. So I think something you can do is list out reasons 
why you made this decision that you made in the past. Like what intuitive messages have you received and acted on that you can feel proud of yourself for, even if they're big or small? Why did you make this decision, you know, by, by leaving and making a career change? I also think just, again, being present and taking one thing at a time is really, really important, taking it one day at a time. And also the last step or the last, the last point I have here is to just accept that you cannot have it all. Unfortunately, we can't live in two places at once, three places at once. And there's always going to be something happening in the world that is better environment maybe than what you're in. Or there's always going to be something that I don't want to say that's going to be better because I don't believe the world is that chaotic, but you know what I mean? Like there's always going to be something going on that, oh, what if I'm there? What if I'm, why am I here? Blah, blah, blah. Like there's always going to be something. So I think just accepting that sometimes you just can't have it all. And there's going to be times where people aren't just, are not going to want to do stuff with you. There's going to be times where people just say no, and it's unexpected. And you're like, oh, okay, well, I guess I'm alone. Or I guess I, I, this person doesn't feel the way that I feel about them, you know? So there's just always going to be something. I think keeping that in mind is really important. So that's what I have. That, those are my answers to Kate's question. Um, yeah, I hope that that was helpful and hope that you feel validated in your emotional hunger and your evening cravings because they are just a part of life and it's a beautiful part of life. And it's something that if we kind of do, if we decrease the amount of power it has in our lives, it just becomes way more uh, fun and we're able to deal with it more. So I hope you feel encouraged. Thank you so much, Kate, for asking this lovely, lovely question. Um, if you all enjoyed this episode, then again, you can send me an email to takethecakepod at gmail.com to ask your own question. And um, if you enjoyed this episode, I would love for you to leave me a rating and a review. If you found it helpful, it really means a lot to me. And um, if you're still listening, I wanted to say that I'm actually going to be launching merch, new merch, not the old merch design. It's a new design soon. So if you listen to the end, you got a little sneak peek, um, a little news. I'm so excited and I just can't wait. So if that's something that you're interested, definitely follow my Instagram, which is um, at Kate Noel underscore underscore. And then the take the cake pod Instagram, which is at take the cake pod to stay up to date and make sure you get your hands on one when they uh, become released. I'm thinking they'll be released this month, maybe later this month. So super exciting. I love the design. I'm so excited to share it with you guys. So thanks so much for listening to this episode. I hope that y'all have a great rest of your week and I'll see you on the next one. Bye.